Hi everyone, I'm Greg Lowe from Down Under in Australia. Cosmos Down Under is a production from SQL Down Under. Cosmos DB is a trademark of Microsoft Corporation. Opinions and views expressed in the podcast are individual and don't necessarily reflect the opinions and views of SQL Down Under or of Microsoft Corporation. Introducing show two with guest Sarah Dukavich. So Sarah has been in tech for over 20 years, wearing many hats, everything from tech support to database professional, technology consultant, and everything in between. When she's not doing work for clients, she can be found in tech communities as a speaker, tech event organizer, mentor, conference organizer, blogger, podcast guest, and general tech adventurer. Sarah's been a Microsoft MVP for 13 years now and is currently awarded for developer technologies. She's also a wife to a technology director and mum to two boys. When she's not doing anything tech-related, you'll find her outside on walking trails and enjoying gardening. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you, Greg. Happy to be here. Indeed. So actually, maybe what I'll get you to do just first up is uh, just give us a quick idea how you came to have any interest in Cosmos DB in the first place. Well, so in my 20-plus years in the field, I've been in the relational mindset, uh, doing SQL 6.5, SQL 7.0, SQL mm-hmm. database administration. So my relational mind, I'm like, ah, no, no SQL. I won't need to worry about that, except I'm a developer and ended up working for a company that was already using Azure Cosmos DB. Ah, so I was like, <laughs> it's time for me to actually look at this non-relational stuff, this no SQL stuff and see what it is. And I saw that they had this thing called a SQL API. And I'm like, ah, oh, SQL, mm-hmm. SQL is SQL. This should be easy peasy, right? Got Lenny uh, coming on to talk about the multi-model uh, structure of things oh, yeah. a bit more uh, in future. But it's sort of interesting is that uh, whenever I look at the uh, all the examples and everything, uh, even though it's a multi-model one, every single time they seem to start with the SQL API. That's because the SQL API is also known as their core mm-hmm. API, and it's yep. the API that's there all the time. Um, I have a demo where I show graph databases, and I show that you can also query it using SQL, um, using Hassan. So Hassan Savran, Savran Web, he has mm-hmm. a, a Visual Studio Code extension to work with Cosmos DB. And it uses the SQL API. So I use that to connect my graph database to show people. There's mm. JSON under the covers, but it's gross. If you're working with graph <laughs> data, query it with Gremlin. Don't use that. Don't use the SQL API for that. Mm. So I just use it to show that, look, you can still use a SQL API, even if you have one of the other ones selected, um, because that's what's at the core of Azure Cosmos DB. Mm, indeed. And so, look, I suppose uh, one thing uh, is, why do you think the company itself came to choose Cosmos DB in the first place rather than you know, a, a typical relational database? Well, so they already had a, a lot of the, their product information. So it was a retail company and they had an mm-hmm. e-commerce platform. And so they had all this st- data stored in a relational uh, system. They had the data warehouse. And so it made sense for them to keep everything there. But when it came to loading things on the website and showing product information, it was quicker to load one document rather than having to query multiple tables with multiple joins and making sure mm-hmm. we had all the fields. 
So they stored everything we needed to know about a product. So the product's name, description, any variants, any images, all that stuff was linked in one document. And then that document was stored in Azure Cosmos DB. Yeah, that's interesting. And so, look, I suppose that brings us to the first concept is that the thing that we store anything in, basically, in Cosmos DB is in a container. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, so you, what do we use containers for? Think of containers as their holders. You'll hear containers, you'll hear collections, depending on which API you have set up. Mm-hmm. Um, but containers and collections, they hold whatever collection of things that you're working with, commonly documents. So under the covers, everything's stored in JSON. It's a JSON uh, storing database. It's schemaless. Uh, which we get into with the data model of how does that work and why. Um, Mm. But yeah, so a container is responsible for holding the data. Now the data gets stored with something called a partition key. Um, It's not, I guess, from a relational mindset, think of like your primary keys and your Mm. foreign keys and your relations like that. Yep, not like that. (laughs) Not like that at all. It's It's an identifier, but it is not an identifier like a row identifier. The partition keys for Cosmos DB are how your data is going to get stored. So you want to have data that's related, stored, and like perhaps in the example for like products, using e-commerce for an example, maybe you have products of a certain category that need to be stored together. Or maybe you have orders for, uh, for customers. They get stored together by their customer ID, for example, or orders stored by uh, customer ID. So the customer only has to worry about their orders. Um, This is key to understanding that partition key because that partition key is used in your queries and doing what they do um, cross partition queries. So let's say that I wanted to find all orders. Well, if I have to go for all orders for all customers and I'm getting into cross partitions, that could add cost to our um, running the queries, which also then adds cost to the bill for paying for Azure services. Hmm. And so if you need to retrieve all the info for a customer and you also need to run a query on all the orders. So how do you structure that? So you think of how you want to store your data and then you want to store them in their different, you would want to store them in different containers. Now, I guess going with like orders and invoices and products and customers, in a relational sense, we have tables and we have joins, and those joins will actually connect our tables together nicely. However, in the NoSQL side and the Azure Cosmos DB side, we don't have a, a concept of joining across tables. We don't have mm. a cross, uh, across containers join. That doesn't work like that. If you see join in the queries for Azure Cosmos DB, those joins are usually done what they're known as intra-document. So, for example, like orders, you could have an order details section. The orders details section will have the the order lines. Well, if you want to query that, that's nested JSON. So you can use uh, intra-document joins to say join on those order details so that now you can filter on those fields a lot easier. They're easier to notate. Yeah, so it's an intra-document join. And and I think, yeah, that's the key thing. To me, it it feels almost a... It's a bit like a cross-apply or an outer apply or something like that, yeah. more so than a join. Hmm. Exactly, exactly. So when you see that, like the SQL API and you're like, oh, SQL, it's not the SQL you think it is. 
Well, even for a start, the uh, the thing that goes after the word from, I think, is a bit of a surprise for most at first. <laughs> so, yeah, that was another weird one. That So if you create an Azure Cosmos DB account in the Azure portal, for example, and use the data explorer that's built in there, now you have the visual side of it all. Hmm. When you open up a container for the SQL API, API the query says select star from C. Hmm. C? <laughs> C, yeah. <laughs> no name of a table, saw, no anything like nothing, that. Nothing, yeah. nothing. And for me, I'm like, I've been doing SQL forever. I'm just, what the heck is C? Mm. Uh, I usually like to see think of C as like container or collection. It's an alias for the container you're working in, but you don't have to leave it as C. So I did a, a demo with the Cosmos DB Live TV crew and uh I showed that, yes, you can use C, but then you can use some other alias instead that makes more sense. So mm. you could do like items, you could do like, uh, what else is it? Like categories, whatever you name your container, mm. you can use your alias to be something more meaningful rather than select star from C. From C, yeah. From yeah. So C. In, in the end, you are querying the items or the documents in a container. Uh, mm -hmm. not a specific type of document specifically. Cor correct. Mm. However, you might then have multiple types of documents in the container. You could do that, and then you could use that type as your partition key if you want documents of the same type to be stored together. So if I had, you know, let's say, invoices, orders, purchase orders, things like that, how would you think about structuring that in terms of containers? or? So... I'm going to give you the traditional answer that mm -hmm. developers like to use, which is it depends. Yeah. So how are you going to use that data? What are you using it for? What fields are you bringing in? Are they going to be used often? These are things we have to think about when we're doing data modeling in Azure Cosmos DB and in mm -hmm. NoSQL in general is how are we going to use this data? How is it going to be accessed? And then are you doing a lot of heavy reads or heavy writes? Because that will tell you, do you need to normalize your data or do you need to denormalize it? And I guess before we get too carried away with that, something that I see in the Cosmos DB docs very often, and I don't think it's stressed enough, is that if you have a situation that really calls for relational data, don't try to use Cosmos DB for storing relational data and trying to shoehorn it in there. Yeah. Use, use it as a tool that you need it for when you're working with like documents, if you're working with graph data, uh, column store data, so the Cassandra API, um, there's a table API. So there, there are specific APIs for specific cases, but don't try to put stuff in Cosmos DB and expect it to work for relational data. It, it just, mm -hmm. it doesn't work like that. And so, so too many people are just like, oh, we can just put it in there. So um, relational databases still have their place. They do. They do. <laughs> so I would say think of the NoSQL databases like Azure Cosmos DB specifically as another tool and maybe an additional tool. So something mm -hmm. we've worked with is having a, a regular SQL server where the relational data lives because traditionally that's where a lot of our data lived. But then now we had a use case for us in the e-commerce side where we wanted to bring product information, but we didn't want to have to have queries with joins upon joins upon joins. So we had a job at night that would update our document store with these documents as things would change. Um, 
having jobs to run in the background to update our non-relational documents made it easier hmm. for us to just have it so that we would just pull our document, one document, one query. It was easy. Yeah, it's interesting because in many cases, people are already doing that to some degree, right? It's a, mm-hmm. If I look at most BI systems we work on, the the challenge has always been to get out of the standard relational mindset and think about how is someone who is analyzing this data going to want to look at the data, um, Mm -hmm. not uh, the traditional thing. Because if you look at the the rules of normalization and things like that, it's all been about structuring the data in really what was the smallest uh, potential way in many cases. Mm-hmm. The, the basic thing they were looking to do was not repeat data, not and so on and so on. And in there are many scenarios where that doesn't necessarily make sense uh, in, uh, in in other areas because it depends how you're going to use it. And and so this mm-hmm. is a, a, a very different use case again. Mm-hmm. There's also the other use case of when they're looking at the data, not just our case for the document stuff, but then what exactly are you trying to to get out of that data? Are you maybe looking at relationships between the data? Not relationships between the table, because I know for us on the SQL side of things, we look at relationships between tables. So you're one-to-one, one-to-many, many-to-many, things like that. But that's not the relationships I'm talking about. Let's talk about a a recommendation engine, for example. And Mm -hmm. let's say that we have a bunch of us who want to go out to eat, but we don't know where we should go. Well, we could have a recommendation engine that could say, well, Greg likes this cuisine. So what kind of food do you like to eat? Oh, lots. Thai, let's say. Traditional okay. Chinese. Okay. Not, not, the, not the things that are called Chinese in, the, no, in no, Western no. countries. No, you're talking like the authentic stuff, like mm-hmm. stuff I'm used to <laughs> when I go visit family in Hong Kong. So mm-hmm. I, I totally fact, get that. Uh, one of my favorite uh, trips I ever did was in Hong Kong in Wan Chai. There was the old original old oh. Yum Cha place. It was, uh, was it uh, Long Moon, I think? Or, okay. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. It's, it's been pulled down now. I was, I was so disappointed to hear it. But, uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> I, I love going to that sort of thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a dim sum place we went to in Central. And then we also managed to check out Din Tai Fung with family over mm-hmm. there as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, the dim sum. Oh. <laughs> so anyhow, going back to... Yep. Here in Melbourne, engine. actually, yeah, here in Melbourne, we have a wealth of that sort of stuff. It's a, it's a real melting pot. I mean, you know, I could have Ethiopian this afternoon or something from, you know, Afghanistan tomorrow or, you know, uh, traditional Chinese things the next day. It, it really is a melting pot here. It's great. That's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we could have a, a, a graph database. So graph yep. databases are used to look at relationships. And so we could have what we have called nodes. Think of those as things. Mm-hmm. And then there are these things called edges, also known yeah. as the relationships. So we could say, imagine like having two circles, a circle with Greg, that is a node. We could have an arrow pointing coming out of your circle and pointing to another circle. And that other circle could be tie. Now that arrow could be labeled likes. So Greg likes tie. Yeah. 
So now we're looking at, okay, you like that? Then you like traditional Chinese and you like Ethiopian. And I happen to like traditional Chinese food too. And so we could do a recommendation of checking, okay, who all likes the traditional Chinese food using something like a a graph database. So in Hmm. the Cosmos sense, that's where the Gremlin API comes in. Now, Gremlin is the graph database query language. It is from the Apache Tinkerprop project. Yep. And it's fairly easy. I tell people who want to get started with it, who aren't really sure how to get started, to draw their relationships out and trace it with like a pen and Mm. pencil kind of deal. Because until you get used to the syntax and understand where things are coming, it gets a little crazy. Like you've got G, G stands for graph. Think of it as this is the thing that's going to go over your nodes and your edges or your vertexes and your edges. Um, so take that graph of all those things. And then what do you want to look for? Do you want to look for vertex? That's G dot V. If you want to look at edges, G dot E. Hmm. Then from there, there are various traversals out there. And I think I can get you a link to where that's better explained. I know I did a blog post on that on on Data Adventure because drawing it out, it's easier to show, okay, look at this Mm. step-by-step and how it works. Yeah, graph is one though, but also familiar to people from SQL Server and things uh, where they put it in. Although I wasn't in love with the implementation of graph uh, in SQL Server. I mean, even, even as a simple example where you're talking about an edge, uh, mm-hmm. I remember in the sort of gremlin style syntax, you can have things like a rating, you know, so it's not only that I like uh, traditional Chinese, but I could put a rating out of 10 or something like that as to how much I like it, you know, and so on. And oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there were there were a whole lot of things and and that didn't sort of have that, um, though those sorts of things when it appeared in SQL Server. Hi, this is Greg coming to you from another time and place. If you have a data-related project that needs to get off to a great start with the right architecture, or if you have an existing project that's off the rails, why not contact us? We help organizations of all sizes, from startups to tier one financials, and we can help you too. Check us out at sqldownunder.com. But graph graph is one. Um, So Mm -hmm. what about other areas? Uh, so for, for the most things that we were dealing with, it was dealing with the um, documents. Mm-hmm. The stuff I do on the side outside of work is usually things with social, social networks and connecting people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things I've done all my career. It's like, oh, you want to learn more about what? Okay, let's do a, a graph and see. Well, you want to learn more about tech events in Melbourne. Okay, well, there's this group, this other group, and this other group. How did I yeah. find that out? And I could store that as a graph where all the groups Good. are linked to Melbourne. And, and then you happen to be linked to Melbourne. And, hey, I should tell Greg about these groups in Melbourne. So one thing uh, that also comes up, I see, obviously, uh, many examples of, say, blog engines and things like that. But they mm-hmm. lead to an example of something where you can imagine if I had a, a blog post and I had comments associated with that, I could store all of that in a single document. but I'm in a situation where the comments could go on and on and on and on. And so yeah. it's, it's at what point do you decide that maybe the, the, uh, the comments should be in separate documents, for example? So, yeah. So there's, 
there's great guidance from the Cosmos team. Um, when you do a search for Cosmos and data modeling, and I have some links I can send your way for the show as well for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but with it, they talk about how are you going to use it? And then they talk about when do you denormalize and to what extent do you denormalize? To what extent do you normalize? Um, so it's not a hundred percent. You denormalize all the things. It's not a hundred percent normalize all the things you can Mm. have this mix of it. Um, but when you talk about a collection of things without a bound, without a limit, such as comments on a blog post, um, depending. So the guidance is if there's like a one to few amount of things, you know, it's not going to be a lot Then Mm. embed the things. So maybe like, for example, an order system, and you only, you know, you're going to have maybe 15 things. Eh, you, you know, there's a small end. That's yeah. fine uh, to just embed it all into the order itself. But maybe with your blog post with the comments, then those you might need to store uh, by reference. So your blog post itself would have the document and then it might have comments with some sort of like reference IDs yeah. to the comments themselves. But then the comments would be stored separately. Mm-hmm. In their documentation as well, there's always a bit of a discussion about uh, is reference data as well. And so what what are your thoughts in relation to that? Because it's a, it's a sort of thing that, again, when you're talking about normalizing or not, in a relational database, reference data is a, an obvious thing that's going to be sort of pulled out and stored in a separate set of tables. And when we do BI systems, in many cases, we put the, we, we don't do that, of course, and we end up putting the value from the reference data directly in the rows of, of the table. But given the fact, if you're storing documents, let's say an order and it has, a, a, or even a customer, and let's say there's a, there's a business category for the customers, mm-hmm. what's your thoughts around that? Because given the fact that if you ever decide that all of the customers who are, you know, category A and now category B for whatever the description is, um, mm-hmm. then you'd need to go and update all of the, the related documents. And so what's your thoughts in and around that? Question would be, how often is this data going to be updated? Yeah. And what are you storing it for? So something like an order history and you have a customer who was in category A and so you see that that's stored in an order history somewhere. Do mm. you really need to go back and update that category? Or do you need to just, because it's order history, you're capturing what it was at that point in time, yeah. do you leave it be? Um, no, and, and that's a great question, right? And so that's the, the same thing that often comes up again in BI systems. The same thing is that if I rearrange all the customers into different sales territories, and I look at last year's report, do I want to see them all now morphed into the new territories or do I want to see them all still in the territories they were in? Right. And hopefully if you're doing it like year to year when the territories shift, hopefully you are capturing that somewhere that this year these territories are made up of these states whereas, or however you break it down. And then, okay, now this next year we've changed it. Do you capture that somewhere else in another table of just so you know year by year what that is? If for some reason you decide to rename whatever the category is to clarify something or things like that, then if you've stored the sort of the name of the category in umpteen different places throughout the the documents, that then becomes a big job. Yeah, that does get, uh, again, it goes to 
oh, do you need to update it? Do you need to, to change it? You can update the data. Mm. Um, but typically, see, update and delete are those two things that it's like, you can, but just the question becomes, what are you trying to update? And then how is that going to hit the partitions? And how is mm. that going to impact your costs? Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I think cost is one of the big things that appears yes. as soon as you say that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I suppose one of the things that we should just briefly mention is just your thoughts about uh, how we look at uh, things like uh, equivalents of foreign keys and things. I mean, so we don't have those. So no. it's just entries or they're effectively weak links you use. Mm-hmm. And, and to be clear, with SQL Server, we have... The way we have ways to enforce constraints. So foreign mm-hmm. keys, primary keys, uniqueness, and then Cosmos DB does not have that kind of deal. Yeah. Any IDs, any sequential IDs, that stuff, that's on us. Those mm. of us entering the data, those of us who are passing in the data, um, that might be your developers having to deal with the IDs. It might be you finding a way to deal with the IDs, but we have to manually handle that. We don't have the system able to do that for us. Mm. Yeah, no, indeed. And so the really the, the thinking, I suppose, is that the this is something that falls then back to the application or to mm-hmm. whatever else needs to maintain that. Correct. It would be the application typically that will handle enforcing the constraints mm. on a non-SQL uh, no side. Yeah, I noticed um, a number of people mentioned, oh, yes, but you can always do that through triggers and things. But it's uh, we'll talk about triggers more in a, a uh, separate show, but uh, again, triggers are not triggers like people are sort of used to in a <laughs> in a relational database. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of concepts that you hear in the relational world, and you see it in the non-relational, and you're like, "Oh, I know this." And then you look at it and go, "Well, I know this for the relational world. It's definitely a different animal in the non-relational side." Yeah, it's a well, just just the idea that a, a trigger doesn't fire automatically. <laughs> I right. think is a, is, a, is a pretty fundamental concept you know, that yeah. uh, is, is sort of a bit surprising when people come to it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Between the That's triggers good. and stored procedures, yeah. So listen, we're getting towards time, Sarah. So, uh, sure. so what's happening in your world that anybody might be of interest in or where people see you speaking anywhere coming up? Uh, so I actually don't have any speaking coming up really quickly i will be speaking mm-hmm. at the end of july on the javascript side of things um yep. the, there may be a chance i did submit to data weekender so if that gets accepted you may see me mid-may online mm-hmm. uh, check out data weekender um, other than that i am organizing stir trek that is on friday may 6th so if you're in columbus ohio uh, feel free to, to pop come in. On out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pop in. We sh- should mention that uh, next week, actually, too, is the Azure Cosmos DB conference. Oh, the uh, conference, yeah. yeah. The online conference. The 19th and, and 20th. So, hmm. And so that's coming up next week as well. So, yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing things in that. Have you got any involvement with that one? That one I did not, no. No, yeah, and no, I didn't put anything for, uh, submit anything that's- for that either, but uh, Maybe next time. Oh, I around. submitted, but there's tough competition. Have you seen the hmm. lineup for the conference? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> it is Indeed. such a great lineup. 
I'm looking forward to it. I already put time off on my calendar. Like nobody bugged me. I'm going to go and watch it. <laughs> they have, so they have se- uh, sessions for Americas for the Asian Pacific Australia time yep. and for Europe and Middle East and Africa with all different topics. I, I'm excited mm. because there's a lot of gremlin in there. There's gremlin across all three regions. So it might be one of those where if I figure out how to pull an all nighter, I may. Yeah. Because it just all this looks really cool. Good. It's uh yeah, I must admit the um MVP and RD summits that I've been at in the, the previous couple of weeks, the uh I eventually decided, yeah, I just have to get up in the middle of the night and <laughs> and, and watch things and so on. It was uh, and it was very interesting. So no, it's yeah. all good. And so yes, might have to do the same. The uh, I, I do have work I need to do on the uh, surrounding days there, but yeah, the, the lineup does actually look really, really interesting. So, and scrolling down, it looks like they have on demand videos too. So, that will be and really neat to see. The other thing I should mention too is that uh, Mark Brown has the online Azure uh, Cosmos DB user group too, that uh, is uh, mm-hmm. uh, constantly uh, churning out uh, information as well. And so, uh, that's uh, worth a look. Uh, and getting involved in early on as well. You mentioned Lenny's coming on the show. Lenny's very much involved with the mm. user group as well. Yep, very much so. And so, yeah, next show I'll actually have Lenny as the current plan. Anyway, Lenny LaBelle. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see how we go. Well, yeah, so listen, you. thank you so very much for your time today, Sarah. Oh, thank you, Greg, for having me. This has been great. Awesome.